This programme is made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Independence Day. Why you rap so funny? Why you sound so weird? Why you dress so awkward? You ain't from brown here. Welcome back to episode 6 of Independence Day. This series looks at life for independent record labels and bands across Ireland. I'll be covering all sorts of genres over the next few weeks. And this week is Alternative Folk from micro-indie record label Rusted Rail from Galway. Set up by local Keith Wallace in 2006, it has featured bands such as The Driftwood Manor, Music for Dead Birds and SoCow over the years. Keith and Cecilia Donnell, who records on the label as a lilac decline, spoke to me at Cecilia's art studio in the city centre, where we had a few seagulls for company outside. He set it off telling me about founding the label. I founded Rusted Rail in March of 2006, which up to now brings us, so it just turned 12, if my maths are correct. Um, And why did I start the label? It was something that I'd always, that I was always, intri- I was always intrigued by the idea of record labels. Um, and when I used to work in Flirt FM, the Galway Community Radio Station, student radio station, um, I used to be in charge of, I gave myself the title of music director. I just used to write to record labels and get them to send us promos. And I was just fascinated by how many labels there were in the world uh, and that each label seemed to have its distinct identity. And it was something that was knocking around in my head for years and years uh, until I kind of put a bit of manners on it in Around about 2005, I kind of started to formulate the idea. Um, and it was basically because I knew a bunch of musicians, um, mainly in Galway, but not necessarily in Galway, uh, who were making very interesting music. And I thought, why not try and kind of document this scene? I don't like the word scene, but document what's happening right now. So that was the initial impetus of it. And uh, here we are 12 years later, still doing some kind of version of that. And you said that they you know, each have a kind of distinct... Each label was distinct, so what's yes. Rusted Rail, or how would you describe it? Um, I don't like to describe it myself, but I prefer when other people do. So, Kino Kivon of Ante Thule and Radiant Geltica has described it as a weird beard, old folk boutique record label. So I'll take that. That's pretty um, good. It initially kind of started off, just like the word folk is, is much abused because folk music really are old songs that are transmitted down through the generations. And people kind of confuse that sometimes with people who play acoustic instruments. So there is a crossover, of course. But there also is a kind of acoustic-y, folk-ish element in a lot of the acts that I started releasing initially, like uh, Agitator Radio Pilot or Driftwood Manor. Um, and then, there, there, of course, there were outliers as well. Like I put out SoCal's first release, which was completely not folky in any way. There was a little acoustic guitar instrumental in it. So the, the kind of thread that has run through it through the years has kind of been that it would be there would be kind of folky instrumentation, but also there'd be space for uh, kind of a little bit of electronica via, say, my own project, Loner Deluxe, or, and that people on the label would work together as well. Like there's a band called, there's a really kind of loose collective called Cubs, who have members from like A Lilac Decline, United Bible Studies, uh, Phantom Dog Beneath the Moon, Driftwood Manor, and that's kind of, that kind of weaves together those kind of different strands. Uh, so that's, so it's kind of, there's always been this kind of folky-ish kind of thread running through it, without it being a folk label per se. 
because there, there is a, there is a room for beats and there is a room for uh, the odd. Like the, the most recent release was um, the album by Half Forward Line, which is Brian Kelly from SoCal's new band, and uh, that that's just classic indie rock basically. So there's it's it's a kind of a, it's an open map in a way, but there aren't any rules. I don't like rules at all. So it's it's basically whatever I like, and if it if it'll fit somehow in the canon of what's happened before, like we're coming up to our fourth year release now, so if it has an identity, well and good, but there was never really a like a, a rigid kind of s- structure on it initially to have any for it to be generic because I hate that term as well. So um, so that's it's kind of been kind of uh, ambling along for twelve years. Celia Janelle, a Swedish visual artist, also makes music for Rusted Rail under the guise of A Lilac Decline. And she told me how the Cubs project was an entry point into recording for her. Well, I suppose I've been just kind of playing away, playing the guitar and singing and stuff for years, just uh, just for fun. Um, I started becoming a little bit involved in the Cubs project uh, towards the end of one of their EPs we were putting out back in 2013, 12, 13 sometime, they were recording stuff. And I literally, at that time, it was very kind of late in the songwriting process, so I didn't really write anything. I contributed some lyrics for a couple of songs, and that was kind of the first time anything that I'd made was kind of put out. And uh, I played a gig with them as well as part of the Tulka Festival in the Roisin. Um, I, I'm a visual artist otherwise. I, I went to art college, and I've always kind of felt that music was something I just kind of did as a kind of pastime. So it was only kind of the past few years that I kind of started thinking more that I could actually do this and I've been kind of encouraged to perform and, and write. And I suppose it gave me the confidence as well, contributing to the Cubs um, project back then to actually start writing more stuff for their following EP the next year. So that was called Perpetual Light. And on that EP, I had a few songs that I'd written and a few collaborations and I got like really good feedback. Um, so then I kind of started thinking that maybe I should start making my own stuff as well. Um, it did sound very daunting to me because, I mean, I always had this kind of idea that I didn't just want to be a girl with a guitar doing the kind of typical singer-songwriter thing. So I kind of felt that if I'm going to strike out solo, that's what I'm going to be because I virtually just played the guitar. So um, I kind of started writing songs not really knowing what was going to come out of it. And um, eventually I kind of felt confident enough to start recording it. And um, I ended up playing pretty much all the instruments myself but what I do play really is the guitar but I would be able to play a little bit on, on keyboard or, or bass or, or various kind of overdubs and things so it kind of became my debut album then on Rusted Rail uh, last year.
She's got so many peaks and valleys. The mountain rages within. Seasons won't change her, just rearrange her inside her skin. So many mornings and so many winters, wild rivers flow within. Shadows grow taller as the world gets smaller when night sets in. Decide what artists you want to release. Is it you mentioned that there was friends or you know certain yeah. people around? But do people send you demos or how how do you pick what to release? Yeah, I mean there was there was a at one point I remember um, in uh, like late two thousand eleven I got an email from a guy purporting to be uh, a band that I already knew. Uh, this band called Song is a Green Pheasant who were who had released some stuff on Fat Cat Records in Brighton, and he was like, "Hey, I've got some new stuff. Would you like to put it out?" And I was like, "You're are you the same guy?" And he was like, yeah, they don't want to put out my new record. Would you like it? And I was like, uh, please. So he sent it to me. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. Is that a ride from the post? And then a guy bought that uh, who, who works in the name Good Shepherd. And he got in touch. And he basically went, uh, can I send you some stuff? I think you might like it if you liked Sounds Green Pheasant. And then he was on the label. So And they were both English bands. So things do kind of arrive in the post or through email or whatever. But I do sometimes. So it's kind of, it's kind of serendipitous in that way. And then the other side of it is I'll actually approach people and say, like, hey, have you got that for me? And they'll usually go, yeah. Uh, or I'll have heard a rumor they're working on something and I'll try and weasel it out of them to give it to me to put it out, you know. So it's it kind of it's kind of 50-50. I mean, when the label started off, the highest tech that was available was MySpace. Um, and we all thought this was the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> and actually, one of the bands on the label, uh, they'll have their 10th anniversary this year, uh, The Declining Winter from Leeds, who is one of the guy. Uh, one of the guys from the band Hood, who are kind of a, a, a heritage act that are on Domino Records. They've got a bunch of great records. Um, and he got in touch via MySpace. I saw that he was friends with Hood. And I was like, oh, that looks like the guy from me. And I got in touch. And that was through MySpace. And we put out that record. And that was the most successful record that I've ever put out. So that was that was via MySpace, which is now owned, I think, by uh, Justin Timberlake or somebody. It's not a platform anymore. But as technology has kind of moved on, uh, it was always, I suppose email was the first thing, but then there was MySpace. And then there was SoundCloud. I guess now there's kind of Bandcamp and Facebook and stuff like that as well, but it's uh, so as the technology has evolved, the labels kind of had to run with that in a way. But I'm still really committed to physical formats. All the tiny voices kept down deep inside. All the loneliness that's hiding in plain sight.
true or no Stars tries up Yonan Kazem has self-released a lot of music on Bandcamp, so why has he decided to go at Rusted Rail for the latest album, Songs from a Blue House? I wanted to um, do something physical, because I think I was experimenting with the like uh, digital releases, and I had, I don't know, various opinions about uh, the, the freedom of that. Um, it's it's kind of instantaneous. You do something and you can have it, you know, in the public domain in five minutes. But I, after two releases doing that, I felt really dissatisfied. Like, um, just, yeah, dissatisfaction was, was the main feeling of, of not producing something real, it felt. So, um, so for this, I, I didn't particularly have Keith in mind or Russell Drail. Um, but he just suggested it. Um, so I said, okay. Okay. So it's being able to hold a CD or a tape or something. Is that what matters? It'll be a cassette. Um, and yeah, like, um, having something physical in the world that represents the, the songs or the album, um, is just a nice thing. I mean, cassettes are another awkward format, I suppose. Um, but there's an attractive quality to it, the magnetic tape, the analogness, the, the, the nostalgia, I suppose. Yeah, I just wanted to do something physical, and CDs aren't really that particularly like them much. Mm. Vinyl is too expensive, so the middle ground. Can you tell me why the artwork and packaging are so important to Rusted Rail? There was always a time, like from getting all those, going back again to the to the, the Flirt of M, stuff kind of building the music library and just seeing what was out there but also just having grown up lit, like obsessively kind of reading liner notes and stuff and going oh who plays guitar on this or oh they took that photograph oh they also took this photograph and seeing that, that there's a kind of a an interlinked kind of web um, which you don't get on something like Spotify where you're just there is no information uh, sometimes the songs are even tagged wrong uh, I'm not a huge fan of that uh, service but um, with an album you get a coherent hopefully a coherent vision of what the artist wants to tell you other than the music you get images and you get words and information about who recorded where it was recorded or you know maybe it'll be dedicated to someone that'll send you off in a on a different tangent or whatever but just that there's a lot of information and as an aesthetic package as a, as a nice thing to have like on your shelf or you know in your top pocket if it's a tape or uh in the car if it's a cd you know um just be able to, to refer to does, I mean, there's, there's nothing as aggravating. I remember years ago when people were burning CDRs the whole time, and uh, if you lost the inlay card, and you're like, "Oh, I really like track seven, but I have no idea what it is," and you couldn't really Shazam it or whatever back then, yeah. so you, you might have the song that you really liked and you didn't know what it was, <laughs> and that was because yeah. there was no liner notes, you know, or you'd lost them. But um, but the physical artifact, yeah, has always been uh, really uh, special to me. So it's something that I wanted the label to kind of have a distinct identity that it would be a kind of a physical thing. It started off with three inch. EPs, which I think grabbed people's attention because they were kind of cute, and then uh, went to, to CD, and more recently just putting out tapes as well, um, jumping on the hipster bandwagon, but uh, not. But 
so yeah, the physical thing I think is really important because music, when it's just on a computer, if it's just on SoundCloud or if it's just on Spotify or if it's just in the ether, it's not tethered to... Um, it's important for music to be tangible or there's truly a tangible aspect of music because music is kind of invisible. It's in the air. You don't really see it. You might see someone perform music, but it's still kind of... Uh, to actually have just a coherent kind of artistic statement on a disc or a tape or something that you can... And it, it stands as a work of art, almost, if it's nice to look at in and of itself as well. If it sounds good as well, that's also a bonus. Yeah. artist does Cecilia have any influence on the design for her own releases yeah like the like the Klein tape um, the cover image is actually a, a photo I took when I was in Norway on that residency and like the insert as well there's a kind of pyrograph image that I would have done on the same residency so I suppose a lot of the songs that I made for that release were kind of thought up around that time so that kind of made sense um, also there's a song the title track uh, Mountain Rages was actually written before that but it kind of really tied in with the kind of mountain scenery of the Norway location so I would have yeah I would kind of have input into into design and stuff like that oh, what about Rusted Rail what's it like to work with the label or how did you choose this is where I'm going to release my music I think like I said, it was a thing that kind of grew out of knowing the other bands and knowing Keith and just, you know, kind of going into it slowly because I always kind of felt for years that oh, maybe I wasn't a good enough musician to be doing it or maybe I was just a visual artist who should be keep, you know, who should keep doing just visual art. And I was being a little bit hard on myself in that sense, trying to think that, oh, you can only really be one thing. Maybe you can't just be two things like that. But then I think being encouraged and, and collaborating with people and realising that, what I did mattered to people and that they they liked it and stuff like that. That kind of spurred me on then to kind of start writing uh, for the solo project then as well.
Take on independent music in Ireland. It's a lot easier to hear it um, and see it being played. Um, if we rewind back to like the late 90s in Galway, you would find most bars had an awful covers band on, and that started to be less the case as you went into the noughties and uh, and further like uh, you would start seeing original bands and a bit more a bit more of an open mind maybe with audiences to see something different um there's there's, there's start to be more connectivity um between cities especially with us and and people we knew we, we started interacting with uh people in Dublin and uh, just making kind of connections there. And I mean, that was pretty much all down to MySpace at the time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it seems to have grown. Um, I don't know where it is now because I'm not, uh, not too involved with other things. So, but there's still that connection. I've connection with some Dublin people that still very much uh, alive.
healthy at the moment there's lots of I mean things move in cycles you know there's, there's fallow periods and then there's periods when there's a lot of stuff happening and I think right now there seems to be a lot of stuff happening uh, across the board um, in many different loads of different labels that have loads of kind of different sounds uh, it, it's testament to how many how much creativity there is on the small island that we live on um, and it is an exciting time it's also a the flip side of that is maybe there's like it's it's hard to take in how much stuff is going on even on even on the island of, of Ireland you know never mind globally but that's exciting because there's always something else to get set up and you'll you'll come across something but uh, I think it is a good time for for uh, for labels of different because I mean the major label music industry business seems to have completely fallen apart so everybody's kind of on their own now so like-minded allies kind of stick together and hopefully forge some kind of new it's like the that great book. Uh, our band could be your life about the American independence scene the, the beginnings of it back in the day and it was like Black Flag in a tour van basically driving across America and playing in scout halls or whatever and that became a network that you could then that, that then blossomed into something else you know and I love that idea it's the you have pathfinders and then you build on that and it's kind of there's a, a community and a history there that you can lean on and you work outside the mainstream because the mainstream is so boring Tell me about you did a series of gigs last year called Bus King so tell me about that Oh yeah that was um there's a there's a pizza bus in the back in the beer garden in the back of a pub on Dominic Street uh, called Carol's uh, and it used to be it used to be Macklin's back in the day and it's kind of like uh, it used to be like basically your classic and old man pub but now they've got a pizza bus in the back of it which is a big double decker bus and I was sitting there last summer outside uh, enjoying a uh, waiting for waiting to meet um, Brian Kelly from Half Forward Line to have a production meeting so I was sitting there drinking a pint of blackcurrant and I was looking at the bus and I was like going it'd be cool to put gigs on there what would you call it. Ah, oh, bus king. Yeah, okay, that works in three levels. Sound. So I approached the uh, the the owner, and he was like, "Yeah, cool, go for it." So we had a series of gigs started like maybe last September, and ran right up until Christmas, which was a bit dangerous because at some points on the bus it was quite cold on there. So uh, it's just all acoustic, no amplification. Uh, there's one power socket if somebody wants to bring a tiny amp, um, but it's basically. You know, it's taking the MTV Unplugged and taking it to a ridiculous extreme of it being on a bus. Do the artists make any money? Do you make any money? How does it work? Yeah, there's a quote from a musicologist called Charles Rosen, uh, which I think has always been the ethos of Rusted Rail, and that says, uh, The musical canon is not decided by majority opinion, but by enthusiasm and passion, and a work that 10 people love passionately is more important than one that 10,000 do not mind hearing. So, basically, uh, I put out the albums, hopefully people buy them, 
uh, any money that comes from it, it's a 50-50 split with the artist in terms of royalties. So it's a 50-50 profit split. And then anything that's made on my side, I just plough back into the label in order to do the keep the ball rolling and do the next releases. So it's kind of um, it's kind of that. There's a, a label in, in England called Full Time Hobby. I always thought that was a witty uh, description of, of what people like me do. So uh, that's so it does. It, it ticks over, and it has been since thankfully since day one. So uh, that's because I haven't put out triple vinyl, you know, things that will completely bankrupt it yet. And I'm not planning to. So it's basically, if you can keep your, it's the classic thing, if you can keep your overheads down and uh, just keep things ticking over without the pressure of, you know, oh, without putting pressure on yourself, basically, to to uh, have unrealistic goals, then it just keeps ticking over and it's self-fulfilling. And uh, it has been thus far anyway. So hopefully it will continue to be to be that way. I really enjoyed chatting to Keith Wallace, Cecilia Donnell and Aaron Coyne from Rusted Rail about their thoughts on making music. And we heard music from each of their projects, Loner Deluxe, A Lilac Decline and Yawning Chasm on the show with additional music from Cubs. If you go to rustedrail.com, you'll be able to find all of those releases and more. Independence Day continues next week with Strange Brew in Galway. It's an indie label set up by Googie from Roisin Dove. This programme is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. And it's produced by me, Alan Meany. Indie, rock and alternative. 2XM.